Well, I'm looking forward to sharing uh, these uh, coming four months with you and getting to know some of you. Uh, let me just say that the biggest problem is remembering names and remembering the faces that they belong to. That's the other thing. And uh, I thought there was a great illustration that Dan gave and um, terrific to be able to have Sam and Tim come and loosen that top for him so he could open it. That was a good idea as well. Anyway, let me pray as we begin our time at this point. Loving Father, we thank you for your word, which is a living message to us. And uh, we thank you too for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and guide. And we pray that as we uh, hear your word today uh, explained and applied, that we might be able to embrace it ourselves and apply it to our own lives and thereby seek to serve you more faithfully. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Optus debacle is uh, certainly something that has uh, really uh, brought to our mind things like trust and faith and belief. And uh, many people, I guess, out there are very worried uh, about how that might turn out. But today we're looking at the uh, letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, uh, is where we're going to be focusing over the next uh, few weeks. And uh, that letter is concerned with our internal battle between faith and unbelief. For example, in chapter 3, verse 19, we read that the people of God in the wilderness were not able to enter God's rest because of their unbelief. And therefore, the writer is saying, we should see to it that none of us has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And it's important that we recognise that faith in our Lord God is not some special gift for a few biblical heroes as we look at these people that appear in Hebrews 11. But it's really the only acceptable and appropriate response for all of God's people down through the ages to put our faith and trust wholeheartedly in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, the list of people in chapter 11 of Hebrews includes examples from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament. And these people reflect the plan of God, uh, forming a people of faith for himself and uh, having those people live obedient lives as his servants. This same God has now spoken by his Son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And he calls us to believe in God and believe also in him. And all who trust in Jesus for salvation must see that ongoing faith is therefore necessary, not optional. So what can we learn from these Old Testament Examples of faithful people who are waiting for the fulfilment of God's promises off in the future. Those promises, of course, have now been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 10 ended with these words, verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. In Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, we read, 
Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So they stand as examples to us. They stand as a great cloud of witnesses that uh, testify to a life of faith in the living God. And the people that feature in chapter 11 reflect the plan of God in establishing these, uh, you know, these, these people of faith and obedience. And uh, their confident faith in future salvation is based on the hope of God's promises, which although are unseen, are assured. And for some people, faith may be confused with wishful thinking. However, in Hebrews, it is shown to be something that gives us confidence and certainty because this faith is built upon the faithfulness of God. Our confidence is in God's ability to sustain us, even though things like uh, suffering and persecution, which may come uh, as a consequence of our faith, uh, might be tests that make us uh, really demonstrate whether or not we truly are faithful followers of God. And to have that confidence, uh, we see that it actually flows out of our understanding that God, our Father Almighty, made the universe simply through his word of command. As the uh, writer to Hebrews begins this little series of comments about putting our faith in God. In verse 3, for example, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And this, of course, goes back to Genesis, the starting point, really, of biblical revelation. And uh, if you uh, turned up uh, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, uh, we'd see what uh, God actually did. Uh, the verbs actually give it all away. He created, he said, he commanded, he saw, he separated, he made, he called, he placed, he blessed, he finished, he rested, he created it all. God is in control of bringing this universe into being. And he didn't just wind it up like some clockwork toy and let it just run down by itself. No, he's intimately interested in the world that he made and he's interested in the people that he made. So God can be relied upon to sustain his people, his new creation in Christ. And he can do that into the invisible and unknown future by his word which he has given to us. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And this has always been the way of faith as faith looks forward to the eternal rest that God has prepared for those who love him. It's our future inheritance. It's that heavenly Jerusalem. It's an unshakable kingdom. And this faith is not um, you know, a special uh, thing. 
Uh, it's, it's something that is open to all people to see Christ as God's great answer to the world's situation, to see Jesus as the one who meets our needs and who solves the problem of our rebellion against God's right to be God in our lives. And so this is the first and should be the main point to trust wholeheartedly in the God whose promises deliver a sure and certain confidence to those who live by faith in him day by day. He is our creator, he is our sustainer, he is the one who's provided our salvation for us. And this confidence will in turn lead to a life of perseverance as God's trustworthiness is proved by his ongoing faithfulness to us. The second example that we have uh, is in the brothers Cain and Abel. Now their story is uh, back in Genesis chapter 4 and uh, both brothers brought an offering to the Lord. Uh, Cain brought some harvest produce, Abel a lamb from his flock. And so the question that jumps out at us from the pages of Genesis 4 is, why did God discriminate between the two brothers and their offerings? Abel was a shepherd, Cain a farmer. Surely each brought an offering appropriate to their work. So is God being unfair? Well, one thing we can be sure about is that God is never arbitrary or unjust in his dealings with us, especially so in the area of his judgment upon us. He knows what's going on deep down in the secrets of our heart, what goes on in the way that we think and uh, how we react to people, how we react to him. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So how do we explain this rejection by the Lord? Well, a number of things strike me. First of all, Cain's action was evil, we're told. His offering was an expression of what was in his heart. So it wasn't the offering that God had, uh, you know, that, that, that God rejected, not the offering, but Cain himself. And when he became uh, rejected, he became angry and looked at because of his countenance fell. And God said to him, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? That is, Cain, you've got no reason to be angry. You've got no reason to complain. The second thing is his reaction, uh, his action rather, was disobedient. In Hebrews 11.4 we read, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And through his faith, he still is speaking. Now, biblical faith can never exist in a vacuum. It's always based on and evoked by the word of God. And faith is believing God's promises, heeding God's warnings, acting upon them. And therefore, Abel was acting upon God's instruction and revelation by bringing his lamb as an offering.
So evidently then God had told these brothers what to do. He told them what sacrifices to bring, what would be acceptable. And by faith Abel obeyed, but his brother disbelieved and therefore disobeyed. And this is further confirmed by the Apostle John when he says that Cain's deeds were evil and Abel's righteous. And third, Cain murdered his brother Abel and the Lord sentenced him. We read in Genesis 4, 8 to 12. You see, well, God, although God told him what to bring, he didn't bring it. And rather than repent, he became jealous of the way that God treated his brother. And his jealous rage broke out and he ended up murdering his brother. But the interesting thing as we read through the story, we realise that Cain actually recognised that he deserved to die. He recognised that he had done wrong and death would be the appropriate punishment. But instead, God put a protective mark upon him and the account ends with him going away from the presence of the Lord, away from the place where God had uh, so far revealed his plans for humanity and we see him dwelling in the land of Nod, a word that means wandering. So I guess he began a nomadic life wherever Nod actually was. Now, while this account of Genesis reveals the exceeding sinfulness of sin, which brings suffering and sorrow to others, deserving in uh, uh, receiving the judgment of God, it also shows, by contrast, that the external expression of inner obedience is actually the life of faith. Trusting God, doing what God requires. And Abel trusted the vindication of God and his obedient offering of his sacrifice to God with a right attitude remains to us a witness of one who lived by faith and God commended him for his faithful obedience because he did not shrink back. Now, another example of a person of faith is Enoch, whose curious story is also in the book of Genesis, chapter 5. In verse 4, sorry, verse 24, we read, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Now, I can remember being at St Ives many years ago and the then Archbishop of Sydney, Sir Marcus Lone, preached a 40-minute sermon on that little verse. So don't panic, I'm not going down that pathway. The writer again uh, draws out the implications for his readers, encouraging us to come or draw near to God just like these people of faith in the pages of the Old Testament. And regularly the writer declares that without faith it is impossible to please God. So we must draw near to him, as the writer says. Because that de describes a direct and ongoing relationship with our Heavenly Father. And uh, this new relationship between God and his people was promised in the new covenant 
and it has been achieved through Jesus' atoning death on the cross and his exaltation to God's right hand on, in high. So um, faith in God is not just believing intellectually that he exists. Devotion to God is more than the regular acts of worship or the occasional presentation of some sacrificial gift. Now, genuine faith means commitment to God through Jesus Christ and living for him in every single part of our lives. All of our life belongs to God and our relationship has to extend to the whole of life. And those who possess true faith will walk with God day after day. And by this kind of daily reliance, Enoch pleased God and only by that same kind of dependent trust can believers of any generation please God. So my encouragement to you today is let's follow the example of these people, people of faith who we can look at and wrestle with the uh, issues and say, what is it that made them trust God and live for him faithfully. Sure, they failed. They're human. They're just like us. But obviously, they repented of that wrongdoing and renewed their faith in God and walked with him day by day. And let's do that looking forward to that great blessing of being in fellowship with God now and for all eternity which he offers us by completely trusting our lives to him by putting our faith and trust in his son Jesus. May that be our burning desire to do that for him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we've heard your word today. Help us to follow the example of these people and obey your word and live day by day faithful lives, trusting in Jesus being your witnesses in the world and showing forth to all we meet the kind of life that you want people to live to bring you the praise and glory that are due to your name. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.